The Today's Homeowner Radio Podcast is brought to you by The Home Depot. How doers get more done. Welcome to Today's Homeowner with Danny Lipford, your partner in home improvement. Everyone has questions about their home. We've got the answers, and we have a few laughs along the way. Informative, entertaining, and sometimes off the wall. Home improvement has never been this much fun. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Today's Homeowner Radio Show. Get ready. You're at the right place for the most practical, realistic, most current home improvement information you're going to find anywhere. I guarantee you. Danny Lifford here, along with my co-host, Joe Truini. We've been working this week on putting together a lot of different information, and, and we have callers lined up. We've got emails lined up. During this hour, we're going to talk also about something we hear a lot about. Not a pleasant subject, but bathroom odors. And I'm talking about drain odors that won't go away. What can you do? We have some recommendations for a homeowner. Also, often people are looking for more living area around the house, and they look out to that car shelter, garage, carport. Is it practical to enclose that as living area? Well, the answer is yes, if you do it right, and we'll tell you what needs to be done to make it happen and to make it a legitimate part of your home. Painting tips. We have a few painting tips, emails, and I know my buddy Joe has a a simple solution right around the corner. What can we expect on that one, Joe? Well, if I didn't have one, you, you'd turn off my microphones. That's, That's the reason exactly I show right. up with one every week. <laughs> and, this, and this time of year, a lot of people who have whole house humidifiers are using them, of course, to pump a little moisture into the dry, heated air in their homes. Um, but sometimes humidifiers might be running, but might not be putting out as much moisture as you think they are. So I've got a quick tip on how to uh, clean those filters and make sure it's operating as efficiently as possible. Great. I always look forward to the simple solutions each and every week. And, hey, we want to hear from you on what you would like to hear on the Today's Homeowner Show. And we'd also love to answer any question that you have about your home. And we try to make it as easy as we can. A lot of people contact us through the Today's Homeowner Facebook page. We'd love for you to drop by and check us out on Facebook. And you'll see that there's a lot of information for you there that is posted each and every week. Or you can go to your computer and put in todayshomeowner.com slash ask. Fill out the form there for your question. It'll go directly to us or just pick up the old-fashioned telephone and call 800-946-4420 is the Today's Homeowner Hotline. We're going to get in as many answers uh, to all the questions that we possibly can uh, during this hour of Today's Homeowner Radio. Uh, Joe, I'll tell you, you know, we've been doing a lot of podcasting. Everybody is a podcast, quite the phenomenon. And, and, you know, we always look for little trends or little things that we see that become more and more popular and I was I had an opportunity to talk about chicken coops and chickens oh, okay. and I've yep. seen like at stores you know even um, a lot of home improvement retail stores that they have chicken coops there yeah you know and they're not putting something in in the inventory that's not being asked for or that's demanded right. yep. and so forth and now do, do I recall didn't you write an um, article about chicken coops a while back I did I wrote a story for popular mechanics magazine how to build a chicken coop okay the, there you go. Yeah, and that was exactly the reason why. I mean, they were getting a lot of response from readers online and through the mail for the magazine. Of um, they wanted more information on chickens. That I I sort of understood it because I live in a pretty rural part of Connecticut, and a lot of people I know have chickens or have had chickens. Um, and during my research, I found that there are roughly 13 million homeowners in the U.S. raising chickens. 
Wow. So that's the reason there's so much interest in chickens. And I went to, during, I guess it was the spring, I was in a tractor supply store uh-huh. and I heard, I heard peeping coming around the, from coming oh, around yeah. the corner and they had a bin full of chickens, little tiny chicks. And I guess people come in and buy chickens as, the, as little chicks and they bring them home and they raise them mostly for the eggs, I guess. Um, but they're also apparently become like pets. People, chickens are apparently pretty entertaining. I've never lived with chickens, um, but my neighbors have and they love them. Yeah. Well, um, you know, there's a lot of things uh, in the podcast that I did with uh, Corey Wilson, uh, who is an active uh, chicken raiser, um, chicken farmer, and um, you know, <laughs> ho- ho- hobbyist. Um, right. And uh, very interesting things, uh, little tidbits, you know, um, over 500 varieties of chickens, not all I- here in the U.S., right. but, um, you know, you, there's so many different kinds. And um, so what would you say the life expectancy of a chicken is? Well, if you're being raised by Frank Perdue, I suspect it's probably <laughs> pretty short. But for the average homeowner, Corey, for, for instance, and I guess it depends on if you can keep them secure, because around here we have hawks and, and raccoons and foxes and coyotes, and so it's hard to keep chickens. But I would think if you kept them safe, they would probably live eight to 10 years or so. Was, was that too long? I'm not even sure. No, I'm just no guessing. Um, that, that's the higher end of it. Um, okay. The average is between like three and seven years. Okay, uh, that's but, still pretty you know, good. If, uh, but just like you said, if you can keep them safe from predators and they don't have any genetic issues, right. uh, yeah. then they can live to be 10 to 12 years. So um, I had no idea on that one uh, when I was, Corey was sharing with me that information. But very interesting. You know, in a lot of uh, subdivisions, I'm talking about in town, a lot right. of chickens, as long as you don't have that rooster. The rooster <laughs> The one that causes, he's the one that causes all the problem. He he's the Joe Truini in the bunch that uh, is going to stir stir some trouble. Cause trouble. Up, That's right. <laughs> well, I in fact in this article which I have in front of me, so let me just check this fact. Um, I remember saying ninety three percent of the country allows chickens. Oh, okay. Ninety three percent allow, and, and many of that is in rural areas and surprisingly, even urban areas. So, mm. you know, chances are wherever you live, you can probably raise chickens. Now, there probably there might be restrictions, how much land you have, how many chickens you can keep, that kind of thing. But um, and a chicken lays an egg a day. So mm-hmm. if you have, even if you have just four or five chickens, that's a lot of eggs. Well, you think about, um, especially right now, you know, with, uh, I don't know what the heck caused eggs. Well, I guess I did hear a report saying it was to do with a, a widespread virus in some of the areas the and so flu. forth. Yeah. Bird flu. things and stuff like that. And, and of course, when you have them, these farms, you know, have them crammed all in together. If one yeah. catches it, I guess they all catch it. But yeah. that, w- that was, uh, you know, one of the things we talked about is that, you know, eggs, you know, I think they said $8 a dozen. I know. You know. I was in Costco recently because I started buying them there because they had this giant pallet in the cooler full. And I went there just the other day. There wasn't a single egg. And this is Costco. They have buying power, right? They have buying power. Yeah. But I have a question for you. Do you know why brown eggs cost more than white eggs? Oh, that's a good one. No, I have no idea. Well, people think it's because they're better tasting or they're more nutritious. And that's never been the case. There's just a chicken laying an egg. You know, the Mm -hmm. egg is the egg. But it's because... Brown eggs are typically laid by larger chickens, and larger chickens require more care and more feed and more water and all that stuff. So it just costs more. It's like it's like you know a, a big Cadillac would cost more to run than a 
small yeah, Volkswagen. Sure. How know, about so, that? So huh. that's the reason. Brown eggs cost more. I thought it was some kind of adi- additive or something like that. Nope. I know Corey spoke about in our podcast. And by uh, the way, you can hear this podcast right now by going to wherever you get your podcast and and just search for the Today's Homeowner pa- Podcast and look for the one, the Ask Danny podcast with um, about um, chicken coops and raising chickens. And But um, he, uh, Corey had mentioned how a lot of times people will use crushed um, oyster shells that right. they will actually feed the um, the chickens for a good source of calcium, which they need. So, right. um, you know, it's it's a pretty simple thing. I mean, the chickens can run around loose. They can be in a, you know, a chicken coop. Of course, if they run around loose, you might lose one here and there. But yeah. um, anyway, it was, it was very interesting to me and just these little uh, – and, and I think part of this uh, – you know, um, renewed interest in these has a little bit to do with the pandemic we went through as well, right. because it, yep. it showed how gardening increased and things like that. So, um, and plus if your little daughter or son or grandson or daughter sees that little chicken and said, can I have that? Can I have that chicken? <laughs> then you end up with 15 chickens in your yard. <laughs> you know, you can't help yourself. The other thing is, do you know what a chick chicken tractor is? A chicken tractor. I have n- never heard that. A chicken tractor is simply a, I learned all this doing my research on the uh-huh. story. A chicken tractor is nothing more than a chicken coop on wheels. Oh. And I and I asked a farmer once, why would you ever need a chicken coop on wheels? He said, have you ever been downwind of a chicken coop? I said, no. And he said, well, <laughs> that's why. So they can move it around. Well, well interesting because Corey's building a new, a new one and he's going to have it to where it's uh, able to be moved around oh, his yard, mainly to try to save the grass because, you know, those right, that's the little other things thing. getting yeah. around, scratching around. But if you move it around, they have fresh things to scratch on and you, yeah. you maintain um, the grass. But anyway, interesting little thing there. And that just goes to show you, you never know when you tune in to today's Home Auto Radio, you didn't expect to hear an agricultural report today. <laughs> But we're happy to bring that to you, and we always like to look at some of the trends. Okay, all right, get ready here. We're about to get started with some of the best home improvement information you're going to find anywhere. You're listening to today's Homeowner Radio. We'll be right back. Today's homeowner is brought to you by The Home Depot. How doers get more done. Joe and I are so proud of the wonderful radio stations all across the country that carry the Today's Homeowner Radio Show each and every week, just like this one, WOSM 103.1 FM in Ocean Springs, Mississippi. As one of our 350 stations across the country, we appreciate each and every one, and we want to hear from you. Any questions or challenges that you might be having, uh, send us an email if you'd like, todayshomeowner.com slash ask, or you can give us a call on the Today's Homeowner Hotline, 800 800- Nine four six forty four twenty. We're going to get right to the hotline right now. Going to Michigan. Linda's on the line. Linda, welcome to the show, and uh, tell us what's going on around your house there. I've had an awful odor in my house. It's two years old, and I have had no luck with uh, the builder. I went out on my own trying to find plumbers to target what the issue is. I've had so many different opinions. Uh, the last guy that was here kind of ended up scratching his head and at um 90 bucks an hour that's that's quite a bit um <laughs> you know to to pay for head scratching but anyway bottom line is i've got this odor he put in a vent in one of the sinks underneath where the uh, traps are and the in the water proceeds to go through and out 
and he put a, a new vent on it uh, near the trap on one of the sinks. It's a double uh, vanity, double sink vanity in the master bathroom, and he put one in hoping that he could kind of narrow things down. Well, everything seemed okay at first. I got up one morning, went in, and the odor was back. So one of the ways we try to keep the odor down is we are plugging the sinks with the stoppers, and that seems to help because when we open them and we run water, this horrible smell is similar to, like, sewage, Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. it just keeps coming out. It It will go away for a brief time, but basically it is there. And in, I mean, I've done everything under the sun as far as like getting contractors in here for different opinions on what they think it could be. I had a guy climb up in the attic. He's checked the vent. He said, it looks like it's the right size. It appears that it's working properly. Uh, There was talk of getting Roto-Rooter and running a, a camera down the vent on the very top of the house to see if something may have gotten lodged in there during construction and possibly creating an issue where the the vent isn't open enough to keep the smell from backing up into the sink. Because that's usually the thing is starting out with making sure that it is venting properly because that's really a vent uh, for um, plumbing or not only prevent any kind of vacuum from taking place, but also help expel any odors to the outside. And, and did you pick up on this smell? You said it's a new house, two years old. Um, did you pick up on it uh, early, uh, or is it just gotten worse and worse over the over the months? Well, when I first moved in, of course, the house hadn't been used, so the, all the traps were dry, and there was a horrible odor throughout the whole house from all of the sinks and, um, you know, the opening. So I called the builder and he said, just run a lot of water through all the traps and it did go away. Well, I think a couple of months after I moved in, I walked outside the front door and my septic tank is in the front of the house. And I, when I walked out, I noticed this horrible smell and I called again and asked the builder and I ended up, they ended up having a plumber that the contractor that did the plumbing work come out and he had to dig everything up and put in, I, I never got a complete explanation of what they did, or, but they had to replace a pipe or they changed something around in the septic tank. And that went away, but once in a while we will smell a little faint odor, but not like it was. Joe, what do you think on what do you think on this? Do you think it's time to break out the the baking soda and the uh, the white vinegar, or what would you suggest to Linda? Yeah, I think Linda's beyond that at this point. Yeah, Linda, there's usually only two problem two reasons why that problem would exist. Which, and you're right, that's that's um, sewer gases coming up through. The traps, which which they're called a trap because they hold water, and that water blocks any sewer gases from backing up into the house. So sometimes if it's in a sink that, or in a room where people don't use that sink very often, it'll dry out and that gas can pass through. Well, that's obviously not the case here. You use these sinks all the time, and let's assume that the traps are doing their job. They're holding water. Then the other thing is, it's typically, as Danny's reference, it's typically the vent system. And it seems like they've checked the vents, and the vents are simply pipes that have air that goes up through the roof. We often say, if you want to know how a vent works, it works the same as if you put a straw into a 
glass of water and you put your finger on top and you lift it up, of course, the water gets trapped in the straw. But if you lift your finger, it drains out. And that's exactly the way those vents work. They allow air to pass through so that when you flush the toilet or run the sink, the water can leave. Um, they do have, there's some plumbers that would have a special um, piece of equipment. I think it's simply called a sewer smoke machine. And what they do is they'll go up on your roof and they'll cap off, they'll plug up all the vents except one, assuming you have more than one, which most houses do. They'll plug up all of them. And then the one that they do leave open, they'll pump under pressure, they'll pump smoke through that. And then they'll go down in the house and they can see where that smoke is coming out into the house and that will reveal the problem. So that, other than that, I'm not sure what else I could tell you to do. seems like plumbers have been there. They've tried everything else. If the septic system is working fine, um, they could send a camera down there. I'm surprised someone hasn't done that already because that's usually the first thing they do when they can't figure out anything else just to make sure something's not blocking that vent. But other than that, I'm sorry. It sounds like you've tried everything else, and this is a problem from when you first built the house. It's been two years. I can imagine the frustration. Um, sounds like something wasn't working properly with the vent system from the onset of building this house. Right. That's what the last guy said, that there's a possibility a piece of construction material got stuck. Um, Maybe. And that was, that was, yeah, that was going to be his next um, route was to try to get a hold of someone with a camera that can snake it down through that vent through the top. I, he did check with the county to make sure that the size of the vent was proper. Um, right. It wasn't out of code. And he said it appears to be okay. Now, as far as the sewer smoke machine, yeah. where would I find a plumber with such a piece of equipment? You'd have to just call one and ask. And if they say okay. no, say, do you know someone who has one? <laughs> um, I'm not sure if a company like Roto-Rooter would have something like that. Um, but that, like I said, that's that's sort of a last after they run a camera, this would be most, I've never hired a plumber that didn't have an inspection camera. So I'm surprised someone hasn't done mm. that already. Well, I'm, I'm way up in Northern Michigan and uh, yeah. we've got some great people up here and, you know, but I think this is something that it, it just, uh, it's just beyond, beyond belief actually at this point that yeah. somebody hasn't been able to figure it out. And this last guy is really good, but I think he's, he's like I said, he's standing around scratching his head trying to figure out what the heck's going on. Yeah. And, yeah, well, well, I, I, I think, could scratch. Yeah, yeah. I could scratch my head for forty-five dollars an hour instead of ninety. If that, <laughs> right, well, if, that help, if that helps you at all. Well, I, I think that. Yeah, I think the camera will be able to really reveal something in there since you've tried all of these other things. So, um, I think uh, I would certainly give that a try. And uh, sorry you're having so many problems on that. You buy a new house and you think all of those headaches are behind you, and those kind of things happen. But uh, um, hopefully, that camera will disclose it. And let me ask you one more question. Do you think Rotor Rooter is the company to get involved? Or would I go to a specialist, say a, another I, company? I, yeah, I, I would probably call around um, um, nothing against that company, but I would call around some more local plumbers that, um, you know, maybe um, have, you know, dealt with this same problem before. A lot of times with a larger company like that, they just kind of have a set you know, group of services that they provide, whereas a plumber, especially one that's dealt with a lot of residential work, is dealing with just about everything. So I think I would just hit those phones and see if you have someone that uh, I, I would just go with the camera the first thing because it might completely reveal what the problem is. They can remove the debris, hopefully very easily, and be able to 
to move on from it. Linda, I appreciate you being a part of the show and uh, hope you've been able to point you in the right direction. Sometimes uh, situations like that can really be tricky to, to diagnose, but, uh, but be vigilant and uh, keep going and you'll be able to figure out exactly what's happening with it. Sorry, we didn't have a, some secret, uh, secret motion uh, the, or secret lotion that we could <laughs> provide you <laughs> to be able to take care of that. Hey, we're going to take a short break. When we come back, we've got a lot more information to share with you, including consideration of closing in a carport. Is it feasible? And what are some of the things you need to do in order to make it legitimate living space? You're listening to today's Homeowner Radio. We'll be right back. Welcome back to today's Homeowner Radio. Here are Danny and Joe. And welcome back to the show where it's time for our best new product segment brought to you by The Home Depot, how doers get more done. French door refrigerators are nothing new, but a four-door model with doors that are customizable with interchangeable panels, well, that's pretty new. The Samsung bespoke four-door French door smart refrigerator features exterior doors which are covered with a panel that can be changed to a variety of colors and textures to give your fridge your style and your personality the beverage center is concealed behind one of those one of the door panels and includes both a water dispenser and auto fill water pitcher there's also a dual ice maker with cubed ice and ice bites the middle fourth door is the flex zone drawer that can be adjusted to five different temperature settings depending on your needs and with the Samsung Smart Things app, you can control and monitor your fridge remotely. So for more information on this Samsung bespoke four-door French door smart refrigerator, log on to homedepot.com or drop by your local Home Depot. Uh, we get more and more of the smart refrigerator. Sometimes yeah. you wonder on on some of the apps that you have. I, I um, heard the other day on a air filter for your home that right. has an app that actually okay. has a little indicator on the side of it that'll tell you when you need to change, you know, your filter um, on right. your furnace. So, boy, it has infiltrated everything we do around the house. Yeah, and I see this makes two different types of ice, including ice bites. Yep. Yeah, I'm not I don't sure know what that is. That, is that crushed ice? I'm not sure what, not that, sure is. what that is. Probably yeah. sounds like it, yeah. But now I, t- I told you about my rig um, on my refrigerator. <laughs> well, I know uh, you've been struggling with it. For, well, yeah, well, well I since got you it, brought it into the house, right? Yeah, well, I uh, well, no, this is one um, the refri- the second refrigerator I have out in my oh, workshop okay. oh, where uh, um, I, my ice bin. I can't remember if I told you about it, but you know, I don't store any frozen stuff out there, and it's one of the refrigerators where you got the traditional uh, refrigerator below, and then you have uh, the freezer at the top, the two right. doors yeah. traditional thing. Well, you know, you have that little bitty ice bucket, and ice buckets, you know, will hold about two tumblers worth of ice, yeah. right? Okay, <laughs> yeah. well, I I took that out threw it away got me a nice <laughs> a nice uh, well you're tote. a four tumbler guy that's right <laughs> that's right uh, and i got a nice tote uh, you know container right. uh, sanitized it real clean had to cut a little notch out of the back of it with my jigsaw <laughs> and i and i slipped this thing into that freezer it barely yeah. fit in there now 24 hours a day that right. ice machine is making me ice and it'll make in this container before it uh, the little arm turns it off will right. make probably 40 pounds of ice Wow, it's, I love it's, I love doing stuff, customizing stuff like that, right? Because I know your refrigerator in your kitchen doesn't produce very much ice, so now you've got no, a backup. No, that's, yeah. that's a, even another reason why we have to have that, and then I can take that and dump it in my boat, or I can use it Beautiful. for whatever, or if I'm having a get together or a gathering or something, I can put some. Anyway, that's a 
That's a clever little like simple so, simple solution for you right say, there, buddy. That sounds like a simple solution. <laughs> I don't hey, modify your ice tray. Got an email that came in from Daniel in South Carolina I wanted to share with you. Uh, Daniel says, I want to close in my large attached carport to use as a main bedroom. It apparently has no moisture barrier underneath and gets wet when humidity is very high. What kind of moisture barrier can I add to it to make it suitable to be a living area? Well, the thing about, you know, and I have enclosed hundreds of carport and garages, and you do need to pay a lot of attention to that floor. First of all, if you're going to spend time and money on your home to create additional living space, I really think it's worthwhile the little slightly extra expense that it that it requires to make it what I call legitimate living space. That means that you really can't tell the old from the new. So that transition from the house out into the garage is very important. A lot of times it'll have a step down. Most of the time it'll have a step down. And if it's not too too big of a step down, I suggest leveling everything off with the floor, which if you're having a carport, you're just talking about what we call a cap slab that you can put down plastic reinforcement wire and then pour two to three to four inches on top of it in order to have a um, moisture barrier, have it nice and level because most carports and garages aren't level. They shouldn't be level because if you have water that blows in there, it needs to go out. So if you do that, then you won't have any problems with any of that sweating, especially when it's heated and cooled. Most of the time, sweating takes place because of condensation uh, from, you know, just, just the dissimilar temperatures. But when you have it heated and cooled, it's pulling that moisture out of there if the air conditioned heater is working properly. Uh, and that's why a lot of people use the mini split ductless systems in garages or areas like that so that you're not having to tie into the existing house. But Joe, if the slab is in, you know, good shape, right. then in terms of a, um, a sealer over that, it's always a good idea. What would you recommend? You know, I'd certainly recommend, recommend something um, industrial strength. They make all kinds of masonry sealers. Some of them, you know, aren't meant to block heavy moisture. So you want to get like an industrial one. I don't have one off the top of my head. I know we've answered this question before, but getting back to your question about raising that floor, I mean, I've, all the carports I've seen are at least normally two steps down. And I wonder if that's the case here with Daniel, where they wouldn't be better off, you know, securing that slab with some kind of moisture barrier, plastic, whatever he has to put down and then put, um, build a floor frame system. And that would allow you to run mechanicals you know, if you want to run a duct through there or, or mm-hmm. a, you know, hot water pipe, if you're running like baseboard heat or whatever, and you could raise it up level. Cause you're right. I mean, maybe one step down would be okay, but it's so much better to have it flush with the existing floor for not only convenience and comfort, but as you said, you want it to look like it was built as part of the house. It wasn't an old carport that now you're stepping down two steps into and you're way below the floor of the kitchen or whatever is adjacent to that. So, um, yeah, I think I would, if it's up high enough, I wonder if you wouldn't be better off just putting down a floor frame of wood, just like you would in in any, the rest of the house. And then you have a choice of virtually any type of flooring you want to put down at that point. Of course, one of the concerns on, on uh, going about it that way, I've heard from homeowners is, is, um, lowering your ceiling level. You know, a lot of times that carport will be, you know, well, it wouldn't have a ceiling right now, right? The carport, well, I'm imagining it has a, 
a uh, frame. gable. I mean, if it's yeah. flat, then that would be an issue. Yeah. yeah. I was imagining yeah. it with a gable. We're not, we don't yeah. see a photograph of this. So I'm not yeah. sure. So, so, you know, that's the only other thing that if you do decide that you don't mind it be having that sunken feel to it so that you right. save the ceiling height, uh, then just make sure those stairs are wide and you want to kind of elaborate on it a little bit, get it a right. little bigger, a little safer, and then have that flooring that flows through it like that. But it's certainly one that you can uh, gain space. But if you try to do it real inexpensively and not yeah. um, handle some of these things, you'll really regret it because later on, uh, it just won't be the value that you're adding to your home that you're thinking about. But, you know, a lot of these kind of um, questions you can also dig in at todayshomeowner.com and find the answer, um, you know, anytime, 24 hours a day. So don't hesitate to visit us on our website, todayshomeowner.com. When we come back, we're going to have a few painting tips for you. If you're about to tackle some painting, we're going to help you paint like a pro right here on today's homeowner radio we'll be right back welcome back to today's homeowner radio here are danny and joe so glad to be with you. I'm Danny Lipford, along with my buddy Joe Truini. Each week, we try to put together the latest and greatest home improvement information you're going to find anywhere. And another way you can get that information is by signing up for the free Today's Homeowner newsletter. Just go to todayshomeowner.com slash newsletter right now and sign up. Right now, we're going to Minnesota, and Greg's on the line. Greg's about to do a little painting. Uh, tell us all about it, Greg. Well, what I'm trying to do is paint cut into the ceiling, and I'm using a stepladder going up maybe two steps, but finding that when I put the paint, when I use the paint in the original can, it's it's kind of awkward and heavy. So I'm trying to figure out a way in which I can use a smaller container in which I can uh, put on my hand and have the bucket portion of it hanging out on the outside of my palm and then have the handle part on my palm and then some kind of a strap to hold it there securely so I can use that hand, the fingers to grab the ladder if it so need to be and also dip into the paint. I don't put much paint in when I would be doing that and I'm just curious if you've got any ideas or directions to go with that idea. Yeah, certain, certainly do. Got a lot of different ways that you can go there, and a lot of people have the same problems. And what you described is somewhat called a handy pail. That's exactly and right. Yep. Handy paint products. Um, really cool. I mean, you know, talking about fitting right in your hand, you know, it, it slips right over your hand. And then you actually have the liners, plastic liners that drop in there. So that makes it very easy to, once you finish up, drain all the paint out and just throw it away. So the cleanup is very easy. And I notice these handy paint um, products have been popping up everywhere. I'm pretty sure you can find it at Home Depot. Uh, but uh, I think that's one way to go. Joe, do you have any any other suggestion for Greg? Greg, I was going to say the same exact thing. It's called the Handy Paint Pail, and it costs about, I think it's about $10. And you can get a six-pack of those liners, disposable liners. I think they're about $5. And I, I have seen Handy Paint products at Home Depot, so I assume you can find it there. And it's funny you should have called because I'm doing, I'm in Connecticut, you're in Minnesota, so I think we're both not spending a lot of time working outdoors this time of year. And I've been doing some interior painting, and I've been using uh, this handy paint pail that I've had for 10 years or more. And what's nice about it is it has, it holds a quart of paint, by the way. So it's not a lot of paint, but it's enough for cutting in. It has a really comfortable, adjustable rubber handle, kind of, that you slip your hand through, and then your palm is against the pail itself. 
and it even has a magnetic brush holder on the side. So when you put your, you can put your brush in it and it won't sink to the bottom. So I would highly recommend getting one of these. You don't necessarily need the disposable liners, but it saves you the trouble of cleaning it at the end of the day. And it also makes me think because it's so comfortable on your hand, I would buy two, one for painting and the other one, especially since you're in Minnesota, for coffee. And then you can just have <laughs> you can you can have a quart of coffee with you at all times in order to really make that paint job go a little quicker than maybe normal. Excellent. I thought you were going to say gumbo. Danny's in South Alabama. So they, one with gumbo and one with paint. Just don't get them mixed uh, up. We could do that too. So. Yeah. But cutting in along that ceiling, uh, the way to do that is, as you said, Greg, with very little paint on the, on the brush. Otherwise, you want to make it a mess. Great idea. Well, good, Greg. Best of luck on that. Be careful on that ladder. You don't want to reach out too much, and uh, uh, then you'll not only spill a lot of paint, but you'll uh, also might hurt yourself. So be careful on that, and we appreciate you being a part of the Today's Home on the Radio Show. Thank you. Okay. All right, let's go right to our emails here. we got a lot of emails that came in. This one came in from Illinois. Tina says, we love our vinyl plank floor, but after five years, it's beginning to lose its shine, especially in the high traffic areas. Is there anything I can do to restore its luster? Thanks. We love your show. Well, Tina, thanks for that. And uh, I'll tell you, a lot of people will be interested in a question like this because um, the vinyl plank floors have been out there for quite a while, and some are holding up better than others. I have some that uh, in one of my places I have is just, I mean, it's just invincible. It's wonderful. Right. Uh, but I also have seen others, particularly as Tina mentioned in the high traffic areas. What would you recommend a, an easy way to kind of restore a little bit of that luster, Joe? Well, you could try first, if you want to try like a homemade solution, you can mix uh, one cup of vinegar into a gallon of warm water, then add just a few drops of baby oil. And the baby oil, like maybe six or eight drops, baby oil puts the shine back. And then use a sponge mop and just lightly scrub the floor. And as Danny said, we've had this call in the past. And some people, I remember one um, caller asked us about using a steam cleaner, which you should never use on no, a vinyl no, floor. Because no, no. yeah. it could damage, you can use that some other floors, but but not vinyl. So I would try the vinegar and the water with a little baby oil. Um, and if that doesn't work, um, there's a line of products from a company called Rejuvenate that we've mentioned in the past. And they have a long line of flooring cleaners and refinishers, but they do have one specifically called, I think it's called Luxury Vinyl Floor Cleaner or something obvious like that. I saw it at Home Depot. It's about $15 a gallon, so it's not too expensive. And that restore cleans and restores old vinyl. So um, I guess I'd try the homemade solution first. If not, then go get the Rejuvenate product. All of it will make a big difference when you try to, you know, try to get down into the pores of that vinyl and get it nice and clean and then the coating that comes along with that. So should be able to help you out on that one. Hey, you're listening to today's Homeowner Radio. When we come back, hey, it's simple solution time. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Welcome back to today's Homeowner Radio. Here are Danny and Joe. So glad to be with you each and every week and certainly glad to have my buddy Joe Truini with me as my co-host of my show and the, the one that holds the, the 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 whole list of simple solutions in his little palm. What can you share with us today? <laughs> All right, Danny. Well, thank you. Um, this is, has to do with keeping the moisture in your the air in your home at the proper level. Furnace-mounted humidifiers are pretty popular, and they become, over time, though, they can become clogged with lime and hard water deposits. And what that, of course, does is prevent the moisture from escaping into the room throughout the house, which is the whole point of the whole house humidifier. 
So the beginning of every heating season, fall or winter, depending on where you live, uh, as soon as it starts to get cold, this time of year would be a good time. If you haven't done it, you can still do it. You should remove the humidifier's filter and soak it in white vinegar mixed with a little lemon juice and let it soak for 30 or 40 minutes or so. And then if any, and you can use a soft bristle brush to brush if you need to remove any lime scale. And if after cleaning it, it still looks like it's partially clogged, then you have to try a commercial lime remover. And there are two that we recommend. One's called Lime Away. The other one is CLR, which stands for Calcium Lime Rust Remover. And if you do that, then the humidifier will be working efficiently. Efficiently, It'll be pumping out the moisture as it's supposed to. Now, in extreme cases, Danny, obviously, if you can't get this thing cleaned or it gets damaged, the filter itself, you'll have to replace it. And that, that's an option as well. You can always replace it. Yeah, you know, balancing that relative humidity percentage in your home is so important for oh, so absolutely. many reasons. Uh, indoor air quality, the suppressing any mold or mildew growth, and just pure comfort level. And right. it um, also, in excessive cases, can cost you a lot of money. So uh, I don't know how many times on the radio over the years I've mentioned the simple little hygrometer. Um, right. But it's yep. just a novelty to me. I have one in my in my motorhome. I've got one in my house. And, you know, I occasionally will just look to see. And, you know, I'm hitting right around 38 to 40 percent, which is a good good place. So if you get a simple, you can buy them for 8 to $10, you know, and you put it yep. in different areas of your home, and it'll immediately tell you the relative per- percentage there. And what you're wanting is below 50 percent. If you're not there with your house, something's wrong. And a lot of times talking to homeowners, we find they simply are not using the ventilation that's in their home, using that vent hood. If you're cooking something and you're not worried much about the odor or the smell, from that cooking, you still should be worried about all of the moisture that's being created. So use that vent hood, use that exhaust vent in your bathrooms. And when you're taking a shower and maybe 10 or 15 minutes after that, uh, I know someone has a little timer on theirs, I think for the kids. Right. And yeah. uh, you t- turn that on and it continues and it'll get that hot moist air out of your living area. Might not seem like much, but it does make a big difference, especially those of you that are in some really cold climates and are spending a lot of your days inside more important than ever. Hey, I want to remind you and tell you about what you can see on the Today's Homeowner Television Show this week. The Today's Homeowner Television Show is celebrating its 25th year on national television right now, and you can go to todayshomeowner.com, find out where you can see it in your area. But this week, we're talking about creating an entryway that's a lot more inviting. And a lot of times you look at your entryway and you want it to be more welcoming. And there's a lot of very simple ways that you can do that. We'll show you how to completely transform a concrete slab into an amazing looking floor that actually looks like vintage tile. It was uh, incredible how inexpensive and how quickly we were able to take care of that. How about a water feature on the wall? So simple to be able to mount it properly and to place it in place there and boy that tranquility of that sound of water as well as just a nice thing to greet you when you come up to this particular house a lot of other ideas a lot of other things that we did there and all you have to do is find out where you can see it in your area and also i can remind you you can see past episodes over 500 of them at todayshomeowner.com or uh, zumo crackle tubi freebie pluto roku as well as we have our own channel on Vizio Smart TVs as well as LG Smart TVs. Well, that'll pretty much wrap up the first hour of today's Homeowner Radio. So glad you were able to spend some of your busy weekend with us. I'm Danny Lipford along with my buddy Joe Truini. Thanks again for being with us here on today's Homeowner Radio.